Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. Today on the show, we have Amanda McKinney, who is an author, podcast host, and coach. Now, she navigated her own accidental entrepreneur journey and built a successful business by defining success on her terms. Once experiencing this freedom, Amanda fell in love with helping other entrepreneurs follow their passion and build their successful business. She's a natural born encourager who shares stories of triumph and hardship because she never wants you to feel alone in this journey. Her mission is to help accidental entrepreneurs apologetically, unapologetically rather, chase their definition of success. And she's here to really share with us not just about that, but also about her own burnout journey and how she navigated that hardship. And I want you all to listen very carefully. So Amanda, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Dr. Sharon, for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. 100%. So we are very excited to just launch with your burnout story. So why don't you kind of just Give us a sense of what you were doing at that time, what was going on in your life, and what led you to burnout in your own words. Yeah. You know, I've heard quite a few episodes of your podcast, which I just love so much of hearing other people. So it feels like we're not alone in this journey of burnout, right? And several people have said the same thing as I'm about to say is like, which story? (laughs) And I think it's important to you kind of like, think back on that idea of like, we can get to burnout more times than just once. Because in my opinion, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. If we're prone to reaching burnout, I think we're prone to the habits that come along with it. And so we can reach that point multiple times. So my the story that pops up for me quickest is when I was in the corporate world. And then fast forward to entrepreneurship, I've actually been able to catch burnout before reaching it. So I feel like I've got a few different stories, but the one we can talk about is the corporate story. Did you have anything you wanted to add before I jump into the story? No, please. I would love to hear that. And then anything you want to add after that, we can come back to the idea of being prone to burnout and see what we can do with that. Perfect. So I was in the corporate world. You know, I went through college. I went to grad school. I was super excited. And I got this really great job that I was in for about a year. And I just loved it. I fell in love with the idea of like 
in this big company, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. Like the fire was lit within me. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. I had a great boss at that time who was really good about encouraging all of his employees to, you know, take care of themselves, right? So after that, unfortunately, that job didn't last as long as I wanted it to. And I went to a different corporation. That is the one that I didn't have the boss that really helped me cultivate better habits. And I became a workaholic, but I didn't know it. That was the key of like, I had no idea I was becoming a workaholic, but I was. And so five years into that corporate job, and I was climbing the ladder, you know, and I I loved it. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be one of those top female executives one day. Like I was ready for it. I thought that's exactly what I was going to do. And I was so excited. I shared the story recently of like, it was like I was holding up the banner of the badge of honor of like, I am working so hard. I am doing all the things. I am staying here late. I am, you know, it was like I was so proud of that. And I had no idea until my now husband and my mom sat me down. I live in Oklahoma now, but we had gone home to my home state of Florida for a trip. And they sat me down in the living room that I grew up in and basically told me, if you keep going like this, your body's going to give out. Like you are going to have trouble. So I'm fortunate that I have two people in my life that were willing (laughs) to sit me down and basically have an intervention. And in that moment, I realized, oh my gosh, these people care about me so much. I need to take what they're saying you know, to heart and actually do something about it. And so it was interesting for me because when I think about burnout, like I was there and didn't even know it because I was so excited to be climbing that ladder and doing all the things. And so I ended up giving my resignation for that job because it was too difficult to change the habits that I was in at that corporation. I had to eventually leave and change to a different corporate job. And then eventually I'm now an entrepreneur and I can have more, I have more control over my schedule, which sounds like the best thing for someone who's prone to burnout, but it's actually really difficult because you have to really hone yourself because I don't have a boss, right? Like I am my own boss. And so I've had to navigate that. So my story of burnout is really, I didn't end up in the hospital, thankfully, but I think I was on the road to it. And therefore I had to make some pretty drastic changes, meaning changing a career to make the change. But when I reflect back on what actually, like other than changing jobs, it was actually small tweaks in my life that actually led me to the point of like, I know I won't reach burnout again because of the things that I'm able to do now that I made small tweaks then. That's so juicy. I love that. (laughs) We are so going to go back there. But before we do, you mentioned some things and, you know, it just brought up all kinds of question marks for me. So you had this initial job where it sounds like you had a really supportive boss. And -hmm. then you went to job number two, where that didn't exist. And you said, and then I became a workaholic. Yeah. So help us understand the role of a supportive boss versus a not supportive boss in 
becoming a workaholic and in getting to burnout without even knowing that you're there? Right. Oh, that is such a great question. And it's probably one of those that I'll think of many things over the next few days as I think about it. But the boss that I had at job number one was incredibly supportive in that he really acted and did the things that I think led everyone else of all of his employees to be not on the page or not on the road to burnout. So like he left the office at, you know, I'm going to say five, but give or take, right? Like he left the office at a reasonable hour. He showed up at a reasonable hour. He did not expect anyone to answer their phone after they went home. You know, there were certain things that would come up that were like, oh, this is a really busy time. So there's outliers there, but it was the exception, not the rule. And he lived that. He did not expect anything after hours, basically. Whereas when I look at job number two, it was expected at mm-hmm. that job that it was always on. It was always on. I was also always traveling. And job number one, I wasn't traveling. Job number two, I traveled a lot, which is soon, in my opinion, maybe not for everyone and not everyone's experience, but at the company that I was working in, as soon as I started traveling, the lines were very blurred of like, well, you get on a plane at 6 a.m. And when you're sitting across the way from your boss at 6 a.m., they expect you to be working. And, you know, like that was the culture that happened. And I just slipped right into it. Mm-hmm. I never questioned it because the boss I'm emulating, like I think a lot of employees emulate what they see if they want to climb that ladder. And so that was what it was. It was like, my boss at job number one emulated a better work life. I hesitate using the word balance because I don't ever think it's really like (laughs) 50-50. I think some, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, like. And by the way, I don't think balance has to be 50-50. Yeah. That's not, you know, I think that's the kind of misunderstanding. And people are like, I hate that word, work-life balance. I'm like, that's because of your definition of it. I don't mm. think, I think you can have work-life balance without it being 50-50. And actually, well, there we go. 50-50 doesn't even exist. Let's just be, yeah, you know, honest okay about that. that. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate you saying that. So really what you're saying is, you know, it's about the leadership and the expectations and the culture. And so for mm. all of you leaders that are listening to this right now, what are you doing to emulate the kind of culture that is going to allow your workers to not burn out? Mm-hmm. Are you taking care of yourselves? Are you clocking in and clocking out at reasonable times as opposed to Amanda's second example, <laughs> where not only are they on all the time, they expect their workers to be on all the time. And then this is what happens as you've got people who work themselves really, really hard. And then they burn out and they resign or, mm-hmm. you know, they quiet quit or something else happens. Right. So it's a very short term model of getting everybody to do their work. And if you really want people long term, you want the loyalty, you know, so many companies now are talking about turnover and how hard it is to find talent. And it's like, you got to keep the talent that you have. And the only way to do that is to really nurture your people and not try to squeeze every ounce of juice out of them. So I really appreciate you talking about the difference in expectations, because that's really huge. When you're modeling the right way to do it so that you have more of that balance, then everybody's going to follow suit right? Mm -hmm. You are essentially dictating what that culture can be. So leaders have a lot of power in that respect. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think there's a lot of leaders that, well, I should say this. I think leaders, in my opinion, are the ones that do that. They emulate the actions that they want their employees to have as well. Whether it's showing up at a certain time or leaving at a certain time, not answering the phone, prioritizing family and encouraging, you know, people to like, okay, it's important for you to go on a trip every now and then with your family and really, really step away from work. Like, it's okay. Like, I'm going to do it and you're going to do it. Having that, I think a boss is someone who just dictates, right? A true leader can be the boss and a leader. But I think there's a difference there of just because someone is in the role of being a boss doesn't make them a leader, in my opinion. I think a leader is that one that leads by example. And it's so important to do that because you can say one thing, like at least for me, I have had several bosses that say, yes, family is so important. But I knew they were lying because they can say one thing, but by their actions, I knew So if I had to go to a doctor's appointment with a family member or myself, and it was like, well, what time are you going to be back? Like That doesn't tell me that family comes first or health comes first. You can say one thing. It's your actions, in my opinion, that makes such a huge difference. And it's in like how you respond to the person that's asking for the time off or noticing. Like If you notice that your employees are not taking a vacation, day or are freaking out because they only have three vacation days left. And they're like, I want to save those for the holidays. Like, Give your employee a day off and be the person you would need if that was you on the other side. That's what I think. That's how I like think about me as an entrepreneur now. Like Anyone who I work with, I try to be more of boss number one. That is like, you don't have to take three hours of your PTO time to go have your yearly checkup. Like it's, you know, go get that. You'll right. come back like, into your work. You know, like, let's not fine. get so micromanaging of the personal yeah. time off, you know, that sort of thing. I think that sends a message of, we care about you. You're more than just a few huh. numbers on a spreadsheet. Exactly. And I just remember that feeling of like holding those vacation days. Cause I really wanted to take the week between Christmas and New Year's off. Like I held vacation days so I could do that. Mm. Whereas like now I have my own company and that week is off. And anyone who ever works for me, that week will be off. And I'm going to take it one step further. And I'm going to say there are companies where they just close down for that last week. And what a gift that is to your employees above and beyond whatever other vacation days you give them. And I tell you, like my husband is working for one of these amazing companies right now. Oh, that's and so good. Like from week to week, he tells me, oh, they just give me this other perk or whatever. And I'm just like, just when you thought it couldn't get better, that's it so keeps good. getting better. And I'm like, what, you know, if everybody had these kinds of amazing leaders and people who cared about their workers running you know, these businesses, yes, there'd be so much burnout prevention happening. Like it is out of control, right? Yes. Okay. So I love everything about the whole leadership and really it's a a good reminder for folks. Mm -hmm. Now I want to bring it back to you for a second. So you had example number one Mm -hmm. and then you moved to example number two. And here's the really interesting thing to think about. 
it's not like you didn't know anything different. I know. So, and I'm sure this happens all the time, right? So this Mm -hmm. is why I really want to shine a light on this. In retrospect, as you look back at your experiences and you're like, Mm -hmm. how is it that I had a good model of work and then I went into a different model of work that obviously wasn't as good? How is it? Because we could say, you know, if you didn't know any better, right? we all start somewhere, we learn from our mistakes, you know, but if we already have that existing model, good experience, and then we go into something worse, and then you kind of, as you say, fall into it. Mm -hmm. What do you think allowed for that to happen? Oh, I think all 10 fingers need to point back at myself, right? Like that's one of those things. But, you know, if I think about the nitty gritty of that is I was in job number one for just about a year, a little under a year. Okay. And I just wasn't there for a really long time. I think had I been there for 10 years and then went to another job, that pattern would have been ingrained in me. And I would have been like, this is a red flag. What the heck is this person asking me to do? Mm -hmm. Because it was so short and because I was so young. That was my first job out of grad school, right? So if someone were to tell me, if I were to get on a plane today with boss number two, right? There were several of them, but like boss number two. And someone looked over at me and said, Amanda, you need to be working right now at 6.30 in the morning. I would be like, no, thank you. Like, I'm so much more confident in like, no, I'm good. I don't have to try and please you in that way. I'm going to do a great job. And I'm actually going to do a better job if I'm rested. So yes. I'm going to go take a nap. So, you know, I think I'm much more settled now. So reflecting back, I think my age had part to do with it. Mm-hmm. I think that, yes, I had a previous experience, but it wasn't really long. So mm-hmm. I didn't have it ingrained in me. I also think there's a very big difference. I am about to put people into buckets, which is never usually fair. But my first boss was a male boss. And he was a great role model. And boss number two, there were several. Again, there were several. And I'm not saying they were all female, but a lot of them were female. Mm. And they were the, like, I'm going to be a jerk kind of a woman to get to the top. Mm. And I thought, I'm a female. That's what I'm going to have to do. Mm. Right? And so I don't know if it was conscious in that moment, but I saw what I had to do to climb the ladder at that particular company. I'm going to have to emulate this behavior. It's almost like if that first boss was a woman, you maybe Maybe. questioned it, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh, well, men can get away with not working as hard. But us women, this is how we have to do it, right? And what I heard when you shared your story is that You were very ambitious. Mm -hmm. You said, I'm going to be a top female executive one day. And you were like carrying that badge of honor Mm -hmm. of like, I'm doing it just like all these other women are. They've made it to the top. I'm going to be just like them. Right. And so there's this real drive. And so I have to maybe guess that you're a doer. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Like I take action. I move forward. I know where the goal is. I'm going to take steps to get there. I think that that's what's helped me in entrepreneurship so much as well. But it was also helping me. Like I was climbing the ladder. 
Like yeah. there were steps that were happening and, oh, it, yeah. and it was like, it was difficult and hard, but I was in it to win it. Like, I think I shocked everyone when I left the corporate world because it was definitely a shock for sure. And I'm sure this exact same scenario happens so many times with folks, right? It's like, we're all in it mm-hmm. and we're sacrificing everything. Yeah, And we're like, it's fine. It's temporary. It's just until I reach this pinnacle and then I'm going to get my life together. Right. So we're like putting everything on that back burner and we're like, this is going to be my strategy. However long it takes, maybe it's 10 years, right? Whatever it is, I'm willing to do it because it's so important for me to reach Mm. the top. Right. Right. And that is something that, especially if you're a doer, you're going to get really busy to do Mm. all those things. Now I want to also come back to your point that being a doer isn't necessarily a bad thing. It does allow you to be super successful and get lots of stuff done. And it Mm -hmm. means that you're really motivated and, you know, you're not likely to maybe procrastinate because you're just like constantly on the go, right? Mm -hmm. That's not a bad thing in and of itself. It's just when you don't know the limits and you're not really tuning into yourself. Now you got really lucky because you had two people that really cared about you, pull you aside and say to you, Hey, listen, Mm -hmm. you're heading down the wrong path. And I think that conversation either doesn't happen enough or if it happens and we're so set on our goals, we just don't listen. I want to use this opportunity. If you're listening to this right now and you don't have that mother and the husband that pull you aside and say, listen, we see what's happening to you. We really are worried. And we need you to take care of yourself. Let's take a step back. Let's look at the big picture, right? If you don't have that person in your life, let Amanda's story be that reminder to you. Use Mm -hmm. this as an opportunity to really take a look at what are you doing? Is this really working for you? And if it's not, then, you know, reach out for people to support you, whether it's your family members, your coworkers, your friends. Or, you know, get a coach, get a mentor, get somebody to help you navigate this. Now, I know a lot of times people come on the show and they talk about this was my life in in the corporate world. And then I became an entrepreneur. And as you also heard, Amanda's next step was not to go into business for herself. She actually left that job and got another job. So I also want to put this out there because I don't want everybody to think like I have to just start working for myself because that's not for everybody. Many entrepreneurs burn out. So that is not a one size fits all solution, right? We're just talking about scaling back and looking at what are you putting on the back burner and how can you integrate some of these things so that you can be successful at work without sacrificing yourself in the process. Yes, I totally agree. Yes, so many because I too think it's really important. Like, I will encourage a lot of people to be their own boss. If you have the drive to start your own business, like I believe in you, right? Like I'll be the first one to be like, you've got this. It's going to be really hard, but you've got this. However, because I am a coach for people who are in that space, I see people get close to burnout way too often, which thankfully I know what to look for, right? Yes. So like, like I'm like, hey, 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 let's make sure you rein that back, you know? But what I see is that because it's so difficult 
to be an entrepreneur. To be clear, it's so rewarding for the people who really want it and it works for. So it's worth the hard, but it is really difficult because you're going against the norm. Like working for someone else is the norm. We just need to find those good bosses, right? But there's some of us out there that are like, I want to do this and create the job, right? I have a drive to be like, I started from the beginning thinking, I know I'm going to give that week between Christmas and New Year's off. Like I knew I want to create jobs. I didn't know how many. I still don't know how many, but like I want to make sure to be the great leader and boss and entrepreneur that I can. But it is so hard to be an entrepreneur because you have to wear all hats at the beginning. You have to do it all. And so for me, I feel really, really, really lucky that my path led me to another corporate career before I started my entrepreneurship journey because I created great habits in that next job. So Yes. And um, I want to come back to that because you you left us hanging a little bit earlier. So you talked about these small tweaks. So tell us Mm -hmm. three small tweaks that we can use in our lives, if we're trying to revamp, get back on track, what can oh we do? Gosh, I'm so excited to share these. Thank you for giving me the space to do this because I don't get to do it as often. So the first thing that I did that, I mean, it seems so dang simple, but it was so powerful is I made the rule for myself. I will not email people after hours. To be very clear, I worked. I wasn't breaking that habit yet. It took a while to break the habit of working after hours, but I didn't email. If I wanted to, I would draft the email, schedule it for 8 a.m. or whatever I needed to do. I would not email after I left the office. That in and of itself created a domino effect that allowed me to have better boundaries with work because no one expected it at the new company. They didn't know that I was workaholic Amanda, right? They didn't know. So they knew, okay, she doesn't work at home. (laughs) Like I just created this new thing. So that was really huge. Mm. I also like along those same lines, like that was the first and really that was the only one I declared right away. So like, if anyone is like, what should I do? That is the thing. Just do that. Don't worry about the rest of what I'm going to share. Like, Just only focus on that and it'll make huge impacts. The next thing was I really started to arrive and leave at a consistent time, which was eight and five-ish. I'm using the ish there because yep. there was some flex there. I wasn't like really hardcore. And how I did that is I ended up carpooling with a friend I met a friend at the office and we lived close to each other. So we started carpooling. That created accountability yes. for me to start and stop work. Oh my God. So good. That really helped. And then what ended up happening is we were like, we should totally be exercising. And so we ended up joining a gym together and we would go after work. And we then prioritized physical health and it was mental health because I was getting to know a new friend and all of these things. And those were the things that happened over time simply because I stopped emailing people. Like that's all I had to do to create this domino effect. And those were the things that really helped me the most when I was still in corporate and trying to really create better habits for myself. Now I have a lot more of them, but those were the first few. Okay. So 
Here's something fun. Yeah. I'm going to call your three tweaks, the ABC method. Ooh. All right. We got accountability. Mm-hmm. We got boundaries and we've got yes. consistency. There we go. That's I it. I love it. That's it. I love so, it. So really, you know, we hear about boundaries all the time and people mm-hmm. are like, well, I think people are like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to create better boundaries, but nobody really breaks it down and and like helps us understand what does that look like? What does it sound mm-hmm. like? What do I do? There's so many things, right? I love that you gave this little nugget, which does have this cascade effect. So if you just do one little thing of not working after hours, you create that boundary and just doing that sets expectations. We started with expectations, right? You're setting the expectations of you want me, I'm here from eight to five period. Mm -hmm. End of story. That's my boundary. And that creates time, space, and energy for your life outside of work. And, you know, every time you talked about like what you did, I kept thinking, this is what your first boss would do. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I really emulated that. And, and, you know, I think it's also really important to say like in that the, when I created these habits and was doing this and emulating that first boss, which is great to bring up, I then kind of unlocked that like more happiness within myself, right? Because everything else was working better at the same time. Because I think a lot of people will be like, but did you have the same role? I actually had a higher role. Mm. I had more employees at the company where I implemented all of this. And so I wanted to be the boss. That set. The, I wanted to be that leader, right? Yeah. That set those expectations, and so I really went in, and I had more direct reports. I was in a higher position. It was a lot more, and yet I did. I didn't do less. I just had better boundaries, and it really worked out very, very well, and yeah. set me up for success. So you're right that I went back to that boss number one because I know I wasn't going to do anything from the other experience. I was like. I know what I don't want to do. That's basically what I knew. And I want to just say that, you know, if you're a doer, the idea of cutting it off after work is probably terrifying. It was awful. Right. Because you're thinking, oh my God, there's so much I have to do. And like, I'm not used to not doing stuff. And what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to be able to. And by having that predetermined, I think what it does is it forces you to figure out how can I get everything done in the time that I have, as opposed to, well, I can always do it later. And then what happens is you're less focused. You get things kind of smeared over time and it takes you longer. You're more easily distracted when you're forced to get it done in that eight to five or whatever your time frame is, you get it done. Yeah. You just do Parkinson's law of like, we will fill the time that we have. Yes. Right. That we are given. It's kind of like, I always use the analogy of like, no matter what kind of suitcase you have, you will fill that sucker to the brim. So true. But if you're forced to have a carry on, if you're forced to have a small backpack, like you You figure figure it it out. out. Yeah. And so give yourself less time to do the things. And we're usually better about doing it in a constrained time. Make yourself fit it into a carry-on. That's, yes. that's the message. <laughs> <laughs> 
and you'll get it done. All right, Amanda, this has been amazing. Super fun talking to you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your tips. I especially appreciate the tips for leaders. Great message there. And for the employees about your ABC method. Amazing. Love it. Thank you for having me. This was really, really fun. Fantastic. So somebody's listening to this and they're like, I love Amanda. I want more of Amanda. Where should they go? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you. I would love to talk to you or share with you even more. You can find everything out about me on my website at amandamckinney.com. And my podcast name is The Unapologetic Entrepreneur. So if there is someone out there that's like, I think I want to do this thing, you can look into entrepreneurship on that side of things. But again, if you're staying in the corporate world, also, that is amazing as well. And I don't have as many resources for you, but you can still reach out and say hi. I love that. And definitely encourage everybody to go and listen to Amanda on her own podcast. And I'm sure she's got lots of great tips for you. And thank you again for being on the show. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of today's show? If you're a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? And regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or suggestions or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. Now, if you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Bye, everybody.